The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura has been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Welcome to Fast Money tonight. Get your glow sticks. Live music is back, and that could mean big things for the world's largest concert promoters. Why one of our traders says Live Nation is going to have a very big year. And Viva Brazil, the recent reforms that one of our traders says are creating new opportunities in the Latin American country, how the desk is playing them. Plus, stay tuned for a bonus edition of Fast, where we dive into the China risk what Beijing's tech crackdown means for business in the country, for trade with the U.S., and for your portfolio. That's all coming up at 6 p.m. Eastern time. Welcome, everyone. I'm Deirdre Boza in for Melissa Lee. Tonight's trader lineup, Tim Seymour, Karen Feinerman, Bonwin Eisen, and Jeff Mills. Hello, everyone. Thrilled to be here, and we might as well get right to it. Markets losing steam in a big way at the end of the session with the S&P closing near its lows of the day, all three major indexes snapping three-week winning streaks, strong earnings results, really overshadowing by, overshadowed by inflation concerns. The latest data showing inflation expectations at the highest level in 13 years, guys. So does today's action raise a warning sign for stocks? Tim, let's start with you. How are you reading this going into another busy earnings week? Well, first, first of all, Deirdre Bosa, uh, you know, welcome to the to the show. And, and I think we now have to because we all have nicknames on this show and because we've referred to you for years now as Debo. Uh, I think we need to crown you as Debo. And this is coming from the ambassador or it could be from the, the general Jeff Mills or it could be from the icebreaker, Bono and Eisen, or it could be from the chairwoman. Karen Feinerman. So anyway, welcome to the show. And, and it's, you know, it's a week where I think we, we've been talking all week about some of the disconnect between the headline indices and, and where I think you, know, you are seeing an approach to risk and where some of the cyclical sectors have really pulled back. The, the Powell testimony this week and the disconnect between his view of inflation and what we're getting out of data, even you know, consumer confidence today, which I think tells you, you know, where there's a lot of uncertainty and certainly uh, I think the sense that there's uh, maybe more risk out there. So I, you know, I think the, the, the tape this week was relatively ugly, even though you know, Apple's had a you know, three and a half percent move on a five day. There's been a lot of mm -hmm. things to, to hide some of the pain below the surface. Yeah, and certainly more macro data this week. But Karen, as we look ahead to next week, clearly we've got more earnings, more quarterly results than we do macro numbers. And, you know, to some, it feels like we're at peak everything, peak earnings, peak growth, peak policy, but perhaps not peak inflation, right? Right. I, I mean, the, I think the Fed would say we are at peak-ish transitory inflation, but I, I'm not positioned that way. It's not exactly what I, I don't think we're going to run away inflation. But I think what Tim touched on a little bit as we get into earnings, it's not just the earnings. It's 
What are they seeing going forward? How confident are they in the sort of the, the reopen? But then also, what's the setup for the stocks going into them? So we talked a lot about, uh, you know, banks going into earnings were really high. Banks put up good numbers. They had eh, loan growth, so the banks traded all off to near their lows of last week. So I don't know if we're going to see the same thing. The FANG names have really had a really nice run going into not uh, Netflix next week, but the following week we'll see Amazon, Facebook, uh, mm -hmm. Alphabet. And, you know, the only thing to fear, I think, is how positive people are going into it. Yeah, Bonwin, what's your take then? As Karen mentioned, we did see some of the mega caps hitting record highs going into earnings season, so potentially priced for perfection. And is that the risk there that they may not have the same catalyst going forward? Yeah, I think Karen makes a good point, and I think that is specific to that particular sector or subsector. But I think generally speaking, in terms of the market weakness that we've seen, it's somewhat of a reversal of trend of what we had before, which was essentially buy the rumor, sell the news. You mentioned being priced to perfection. So I think this recent pullback, and I will add that today's option expiration, you're going to have settlement and things like that that are going to lead to a bit more volatility. I think actually we might be in a situation where this recent pullback might set up nicely going into earnings. Right. And Jeff, you know, Karen mentioned bank earnings. They were quite good, yet we didn't really see that kind of reaction in their share prices. Have earnings or could they become an excuse for investors to take profit? Well, I think what you've been seeing under the surface for a little while is actually some weakness being masked by the strength in technology that Karen was alluding to. If, if you just look at the S&P 500 as an example, less than 50% of stocks trading above the 50 day. So certainly not as broad of a market as we saw earlier this year. The equal weight S&P 500, not necessarily making new highs. And even within technology, you're starting to see some bifurcation. The NASDAQ 100 making new highs, but some of these higher flying names, some of the ARC names not following suit. So this is no longer a rising tide, lifting all boats kind of a market. I think mm -hmm. investors are really looking for fundamentals at the moment. And this is all amid reasonably hot sentiment. So I think you can make the case that over the next couple of months, volatility could certainly be present. But I, I will just say one thing, and I think the retail sales numbers, um, some of the data we got today, it's generally encouraging to me. I know you can point to certain nuances that might be maybe less than stellar, but at the same time, there's evidence that spending is occurring even as fiscal stimulus is starting to wane. You're seeing that handoff from stimulus to fundamentals, job growth, wage increases, those sorts of things. So I think thinking about longer term market performance, I'm still in the camp that we're earlier on in this bull market. Tim, do you agree? Are you seeing some of the recent data in a positive light? Well, Debo, um, I think you've got a case here where you know, there's no question that, that the growth and the, the GDP you know, of the next couple of quarters is going to be probably north of 7 percent. I, I don't think we, we question where reopening and where pent-up demand is, is, is key. I, I, what I've always said, I, I believe, in the same way that we, we overshot on the way down, we're going to overshoot on the way up. But, but when we start to really get back to normalized earnings, at some point we have to pay the piper because we went, we went for you know, probably a year where we were throwing that mulligan out there, certainly on 20. Uh, and, and but certainly on 20, excuse me, and now that 21's coming in, I think, you know, we're starting to get to a place where um, have we priced in perfection? Look, uh, you know, it, another 150 billion in, in stimulus is coming in mailboxes uh, as we speak. 
um, from the child care credits. And I, I think the retail story uh, has plenty of good news ahead of it. So, so I, I want to be clear. While I see markets, I see a VIX that's up 30% over the last you know, nine trading sessions, and I see uh, a greater um, you know, focus on risks that have been there for a long time, those are market dynamics. I think the, the economy is in a very strong place between now and year end. So um, I think the data we're going to continue to see uh, is going to be enough to keep the Fed uh, encouraged about growing full employment, which is what they seem obsessed on. And, and I also think that the Federal Reserve is obsessed on an asset. Uh, reflation, and I wouldn't say bubble because they would never say bubble, but that's not only what I think has slowly been created here, but I do think that the Fed is absolutely always focused on the, the wealth effect. And I think they, they are going to, to guide as best they can uh, on tapering with as much you know, foresight as possible, but I, I think there's only so much they can do. And I think that's where the market started to go this week. Yeah, fair point. And by the way, Tim, you're hitting a good quota of Debo's. I think we may, we're trying to hit 15 yes, well, in the show. Yes, well, I've got a long so way to go. You guys, the others, feel free. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, guys, we do have a news alert for you. Facebook responding to some strong accusations from the White House. Christina Partzinelvis has this story for us. Christina. Well, what happened earlier today is President Biden was leaving the White House. There was a reporter scrum. A reporter asked him about social media and misinformation. He responded specifically pointing out social media companies and Facebook by saying, quote, they're killing people. So Facebook has now responded with their own statement. And while I'll attribute this to a spokesperson, quote, we will not be distracted by accusations which aren't supported by the facts. The fact is that more than two billion people have viewed authoritative information about COVID-19 and vaccines on Facebook, which is more than any other place on the Internet. More than 3.3 million Americans have used our vaccine finder tool to find out where and how to get a vaccine. The facts show that Facebook is helping save lives, period. And that is the information we're getting right now from Facebook in response to President Biden's statement, they're killing people. Back to you. Well, that is certainly a strong response, Christina, this sort of balance between misinformation and Facebook trying to get information out there, theme that continues to play out. Uh, moving on, there is a jam-packed week of earnings coming our way. Facebook not till a little later, but this upcoming week, a ton of big names reporting. Let's tackle some of the hottest ones out there. We are going to play some Trade It or Fade It. Guys, I was watching you play this game. I love that I get to uh, run it now. <laughs> Let's start with IBM. Reports after the bell on Monday. It's up nearly 4% since its last earnings report. Tim, I think it was Jeff that mentioned this bifurcation in tech stocks. I see IBM as sort of the value side that was getting a bit earlier this year, but faded a little. What say you? Yeah, Debo, I, I, I'm going to fade this one. Uh, I, I think, you know, there's a case here where IBM continues to be very slow. You know, all we do is talk about the sum of the parts. All we do is talk about, you know, where the Red Hat acquisition slowly is going to get them into the exciting part. And it has, except for the fact that, you know, I, I think Red Hat's got a ton of competition. By the way, second quarter departure of the CEO, big disappointment. Uh, they continue yeah. to acquire uh, eight or I say maybe 11 uh, tuck-in acquisitions this year. They had eight or nine last year. Well, some of that is is what it is. They are tuck-in. They concern me. Uh, no, I'm not a buyer here of IBM into these earnings. And Jeff, what say you? So, Deba, well, first of all, being anointed and nicknamed by Tim Seymour on Fast Money is a very high honor. I would know. So you've got that going for you heading into the weekend. But I actually would be 
uh, a buyer here of IBM. You know, you have the 4%, uh, 4.7%, almost 5% dividend yield here. So you have some margin of safety. They're returning to revenue growth. Gross margins are improving some. I think it could be an inflection point based on the cloud business, the hybrid cloud. They're seeing about 18% year over year growth there. And they're in a pretty solid free cash flow position. So I think they could take that cash, continue to invest it back in areas like cloud, areas like AI that can continue to drive bottom line growth for the company. So there, there's certainly work to be done there. Mm -hmm. This is not a slam dunk uh, by any stretch of the imagination, but at 13 times forward earnings, approaching 130, which is long-term support, I think you can take a chance here on the stock. Right, certainly more of a value play. And the newer-ish CEO, Arvind Krishna, uh, spending a little more. Up next, guys, let's look at Netflix. Reports on Tuesday, and it's down more than 4% since last reporting. Karen, trade or fade it? Yes, Debo, uh, I will fade this one. And really, it's just a question. I mean, it's price. I love the product, obviously, but it, just in terms of valuation, you know, streaming obviously is getting very competitive. Clearly, the, we're the giant first mover here. Maybe the competition is also getting off the couch for people. I don't know. That's kind of a sticky, people like the couch. Um, the third thing, the arms race for content, right? So costs, uh, you know, I think we didn't see a lot of production last year. Now we will, so it's going to be more expensive. And so put it all together, the valuation's just too high for me. Right, and Bonwin, I've stopped using the acronym FANG because Netflix just has been underperforming the other big tech names, uh, but you like it. Indeed it has, Debo. Sorry, I've got to stay on theme here. Um, and I'm actually going to be trading this, <laughs> buying it on weakness. Now, I understand that, that, that a lot of the focus is going to be on ARPU and subgrowth going into earnings, but what I'm really focused on in, is the streaming gaming. And I know detractors will point to competitors and say, well, listen, there's been mixed results about this rollout, but I think Netflix is uniquely positioned in a situation where they can use this as an auxiliary offering to draw in more subgrowth to their core business as opposed to it being a core business for them. So I think they're in a unique situation where all of the upside is in an auxiliary business and it's really icing on the cake for them. So I'm trading it. Yeah, you know, Bono, when I'm listening for any kind of chatter around gaming tomorrow, we've been talking a lot about that on Tech Check. Could that be a new revenue stream? We'll see. Let's move on to Twitter, though. Out Thursday, up just 1% since its last earnings report. Jeff, trade or fade it? Yeah, so I'm going to continue to fade Twitter here. I, for me, the sticking point really has just been the fact that advertisers see better ROI on other platforms. So they're going you to have competition there. Uh, I think they're making strides, but I, I just don't know that they've done enough. Uh, you know, and I'm generally skeptical of some of the forecasts that they put out for 2023, you know, things like seven and a half billion dollars in revenue, uh, among other things. And even if they were to hit some of those lofty targets, still trading at a pretty high price to sales multiple. So Twitter is just a stock I'm going to stay away from for now. Yeah, and Karen, that's a question, isn't it? They've got a pretty strong pipeline of product innovation. Jack Dorsey, not afraid to sort of experiment in public, but are they able to monetize it? What do you think? Well, Devo, a little bit of a funny thing. I just checked my notes. It said <laughs> trade. That's wrong. That's my mistake. I wrote that, but I meant fade. So I'm kind of with the general here. Uh, you know, I, they, it's totally made up that gap down that it had after the disappointment of uh, last quarter's earnings. And so if we're playing the advertising social media, I'd much rather be, it's a would you rather uh, Facebook. 
So sorry about that, Inglewood yeah. Cliffs. That, that was my bad. <laughs> a double fade. And yeah, I think, you know, certainly investors have been bidding up Facebook despite all the regulatory scrutiny and the headline that we just got. Finally, guys, Intel wraps up the week down nearly 14% since last reporting. Bonoan trade or fade it. Pat Gelsinger and team that want to make some reportedly want to make some big moves in the foundry business. Well, Debo, I'm trading this one as well, Debo. I think that's a double trade and a double Debo. <laughs> By my count, that's about 10. Um, so listen, the, the struggles of this company are well documented over the last two years. I mean, what can go wrong? It's been Sod's law. What can go wrong has gone wrong, and I think that's pricing to the stock. There's going to be much to do about like the price paid for this foundry acquisition. But what I think is more dangerous is them sitting back, watching the walls close in on them, and doing absolutely nothing. So for the first time in a long time, there's a very clear, cohesive strategy. They're going for it. You know, given the um, the tensions with China and chip shortages and the ability to keep that stuff in-house domestically, I think they're positioning themselves squarely to kind of take advantage of that. And so I'm buying it on weakness. Yeah, we will see. Uh, Pat Gelsinger certainly has an ambitious plan. By the way, has anyone talked to Guy Adami? He's going to take credit for Debo, but I think we're going to give this to Tim because he's actually on the show for my first appearance. So, so Tim gets all the credit. Well, well, uh, coming up, guys, time to crank. I, Go. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I appreciate you actually referencing Debo and adding to the totals on your own. Thank you very much. <laughs> Everything I can do, guys. Whatever I can do. Coming up, time to crank the music. Goldman Sachs getting bullish on Live Nation as concerts return in a big way. We are tuning into that call next. Plus, our chart of the week. What's going on in one South American country that caught Bonwin's eye? We are breaking down the action next when Fast Money returns. The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Welcome back to Fast Money. Is it curtains for Live Nation? Shares sinking almost 1.8% today, despite a big bullish call from Goldman Sachs analysts saying the return of live concerts and strong secular growth for live events will be a catalyst for the stock. You can read more about the call on our website. Go to cnbc.com pro to sign up. Karen, you own Live Nation. What's your reaction? So, I mean, it's pricey, but it should be. And, you know, there's a lot of catalysts that the Goldman piece points to. And uh, obviously there's the reopening of venues and people just dying to go to concerts. And they're very focused on getting that spend up for each concert goer, whether that's through beer or T-shirt. Um, there's a lot of other things they could do. Now, remember, they also own Ticketmaster. So that's a tremendous business. Um, 
beside the thing like beer and t-shirts, they can also do things like VIP packages that are super high margin. I think there's even theoretically an NFT possibility in there. And so Joe Berktold and Michael Rapino, who run it, they've done just an extraordinary job. They control so many venues. They are, they're, they're no one even close in the business. Um, it's just expensive, but it should be. The one thing holding me back from buying it more here is that it already trades at well over the enterprise value going into the pandemic, and that doesn't include the billion plus that they lost last year. So it is not cheap, but it is a great company. Bonawin, is it cheap enough to entice you? Do you think that there's still more for it to run up? Listen, I, I really don't make it a habit of catching falling knives, but I, I do believe in averaging in. And Karen makes some great points there. I'll add from a technical perspective that it's flirting with that 200-day moving average. And I would look for that as somewhat of support. Anecdotally, just walking around, seeing people in lines for pretty much everything, and then looking at the durable goods numbers, people are likely to be spending more on services and experiences. And I think Live Nation is, is a constructive way to play that. So yeah, I'm, I'm in. Right, and Tim, Karen mentioned NFTs. My ears peaked up a little bit because of course I host Tech Check. Usually <laughs> one of the risks in that note was the adoption of virtual concerts. And over the pandemic, you saw the likes of BTS and some other big names going to the metaverse for their concerts. Could that be a long-term risk for a name like Live Nation? I don't think so. And, and Debo, I mean, I see you throwing on your Def Leppard T-shirt and, and rocking out in the clubs. I mean, I, I think that's what people want to do. I, I actually love the fact that Live Nation 3.0 is really a story of their, you know, breaking out a vertical that is owned and operated venues of, of Live Nations. Um, so it's not just the Ticketmaster story where I think they've, you know, the investments in the digital technology there, they're, they've outpaced all their competitors. I think the owned and operated and managed venues is really the exciting part of the story here. And Jeff, last word to you, up nearly double from its pandemic low. Yeah, I'm going to double down on, on Live Nation. It was a final trade of mine a number of weeks ago. It's been a little bit of a dud, but I'll just point to some of the supply-demand dynamics. Bonneman actually mentioned the demand side, so let's assume that's there. I think it is. And the Goldman Nota was interesting. It said in 2022 there are going to be twice as many major artists touring than in a typical year. So I think there's the ability to capitalize on that as people want to go out more and more. And the final thing I'll say is, because surprised people haven't brought it up yet, but the risk of COVID and the Delta variant and all of this, I think rising cases are not enough to justify lockdowns without serious illness. I think politically, that genie is out of the bottle. The ship has sailed. Voters will push back. So that's not a major risk in my mind relative to this stock. So I still like it. Interesting. Even as you saw L.A. reinstate sort of a mask mandate. OK, great thoughts coming up, guys. There's a jam packed options action coming your way in just a few. The traders are sipping on a soda stock for some potential gains. We'll tell you which one. Don't go anywhere. Your final trades are next. It is already time for the final trade. Let's go around the horn. Tim. Debo, Debo, Debo. Incredible job. If that didn't put us over the top. <laughs> Petrobras will. Uh, I think good. Yeah, a story of Brazil where the, the currency is to be improved upon. That's the whole story, really. Uh, but good dividends in Brazil and certainly at Petrobras. Great job today. And Jeff, we definitely hit our Debo quota. What's your final trade? <laughs> I like this builder correction that we've seen. DHI is down about 16% from its year-to-date highs, back down to seven and a half times forward earnings. So I think adding exposure here makes sense. Bonawin? 
I'm similarly constructive on Brazil, EWZ. Much ado about the tax reform. I think there may be overshot, likely to be more moderate than initially feared, EWZ. And Karen, your final trade. Yeah, Debo, there's always room for more Debo, like Jello. My final trade is Anthem. I like the valuation, and I like some of their digital initiatives. So, Anthem. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.